Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. This is a teaching ministry that is called to rightly divide the Word of God for the people of God. Today we're going to look at the book of Ephesians. We're going to start in chapter number one, verse number one. For those of you that have been following my teaching ministry, uh, I have went through Ephesians before. Uh, as a matter of fact, I probably have recorded 17, 18, 19 sessions. But I feel the need to back up because I think that I took the wrong position when I went through it the last time. And the position that I took was that Paul, in verse number one, was talking to two different people groups. Because the verse says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, comma, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Uh, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So the first time through an attempt to rightly divide, I said to the saints which are at Ephesus was referring to the Jewish believers that were in Ephesus. Now, these were grace believers. And for those of you that are new to this teaching ministry, um, I take a different approach, uh, not new, uh, but old uh, approach, that um, the Jewish believers who responded to the preaching of the Twelve, they were responding to a kingdom gospel. Now, kingdom gospel is simply repent and be baptized, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus, the Twelve, John the Baptist, they all preached a kingdom gospel. There was no death, no burial, no resurrection, because none of that had happened yet. Okay? Um, so when we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and I would contend verses 1 through uh, the first part of Acts, let's say the first part of Acts, and even the Hebrew epistles, Hebrews through the book of Revelation, um, we are dealing with writings of the Twelve about their kingdom ministry. And understand, the Twelve were commissioned to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus came, he legitimately offered the kingdom a physical, literal kingdom on earth to the Jewish nation, fulfilling all of the promises that were made to them in the Old Testament. He would, to fulfill the Abrahamic, the promises made to Abraham, to fulfill the Davidic promises that was made to David um, regarding land, regarding a kingdom, and the twelve were commissioned to preach this message. You and I, my friend, do not preach this message today. If we do, we're in error. Uh, we're not preaching about uh, a kingdom that's going to come for us. The kingdom, now there's a difference between the kingdom of God, which is referring to everything that God is over. Everything falls under the kingdom of God. But the kingdom that the apostles preached about 
was a physical, literal kingdom when the Abrahamic, the Davidic covenants would be fulfilled. Christ would be ruling, reigning on earth from Jerusalem. And this came up for me. I had a transition um, about three and a half years ago. I was at a pastor's conference up in Maryland, I believe it was. And I had been, I came to a crossroad, and I may be going deeper than I need to go, but I feel the need to do it, um, that what if the Jewish nation, and understand, Jesus told them, preach to none but the house of Israel. They did not preach to Gentiles, okay? Um during Christ's earthly ministry, it was to the nation of, of Israel that preach baptism and repentance for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The 12 came preaching a message that had the nation of Israel accepted it. Had they accepted it, they would have rolled right into Daniel's 70th week. That's completely another study. But they would have rolled into what we refer to commonly as the tribulation period that would have ended with the second coming of Christ and him taking his place, ruling and reigning on earth um, for a thousand years. Um, That's what would have happened. In other words, the bride or not the bride, but the body, and the bride's a whole other issue that we need to talk about, the body of Christ never would have happened um, had the nation of Israel accepted Jesus Christ as their Messiah. Had they accepted Christ as their Messiah, they would have inherited their kingdom And then God would use them to reach the Gentile nations. That was the plan. I mean, if you read through the Old Testament, that is the plan. That is what God wanted to do. He wanted to use the Jews to reach the Gentiles, but the Jews had to be brought back into or had to believe in the message of the kingdom that was sent by Jesus and the Twelve and John the Baptist, but they didn't. And when they didn't, um, God raised up the Apostle Paul to go do what they refused to do, okay? I mean, just, I mean, and I've, I've explained this to people, and, and they still don't get it because we all look at the Bible with a, a lens, a filter that's been given to us by the people who have sown into our lives, the denomination that we've affixed ourselves to, and usually that's by birth uh, or just by, you know, the, the group that reached out to us. You know, for me, that was Baptist. For you, that might be, I don't know, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Anglican, whatever it is. And you grow up in that environment and you begin to see the, fil- the Bible through the filter that they've given you. Well, about three or so years ago, I began to look at the Bible through my filter that had been given to me, and, and, and I said, what, what if they had accepted it? 
it was a legitimate offer that had the nation. When Peter stood up at Pentecost, his message was repent and be baptized. Um, and they rejected it. And they, you know, they stoned Stephen for preaching it. And then all of a sudden in chapter number nine, we're introduced to this guy named Saul who becomes Paul, who is the apostle to the Gentiles. Why? Paul wasn't called to the Jew. He's called to the Gentiles. The 12 were called to the Jew, to the nation of Israel, but Paul was set aside for the Gentile to do what they refused to do. So now you and I are living in a time period that we call grace. Or, you know, they call it the dispensation of grace or the dispensation of the church. It's the time, more accurately, of postponement. And I say postponement because the clock kind of stopped ticking when the nation of Israel didn't repent. Um, if you study Daniel 9, um, Daniel 9, 24 through 27, it talks about, you know, 70 years of seven are determined for thy people, 490 total years. Christ came at about 483 of those uh, years. And again, they would, had they repented, they would have rolled into the final uh, seven years of the 490 that was prophesied by Daniel. And this time period that you and I are living in would have never happened. Okay? Uh, we live in what is called the postponement. So when I came to that, I, be, I began to see the Bible through a different lens. It didn't happen overnight. Um, I, I came to grips with, you know, okay, well, if Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are talking to the nation of Israel, they were called to go to none but the nation of Israel. And if Paul was the one that was raised up to go to the Gentiles, and Paul clearly te taught a different gospel, uh, he taught simply belief, that if thou shalt believe, thou shalt be saved, not repent, not get baptized, not keep the law, just believe you will be saved. That's the gospel that Paul taught. So clearly, in my mind at least, and in many others and many before me, um, the 12 and Paul taught a different gospel. Now, people just go ape when you say that, and they start looking at you like you're a heretic, you fell off a wagon somewhere, but clearly, there is a difference between repent and be baptized and just believe you and your house, okay? Um, so, once you start looking at the Bible through that lens, the 12, their writings are to the nation of Israel, which is the Gospels and Hebrew through Revelation. They're written to the nation that they hoped are expected, would repent, they would go into Daniel's 70th week, culminate with the second coming of Christ, the reestablishment of the nation, the fulfilling of the covenants, the establishment of the new covenant, um, and then God would use them to reach the Gentile nations. If you, if you read my commentary on Acts or you go back and study uh, look at some of my videos or my audio on the book of Acts. I explain this in, in detail. 
And even now, I probably need to go back and reteach that because I'm growing, I'm learning. And if I've learned anything, it's to be humble enough to know that I don't know, that I can be wrong and that I have been wrong. Um, And I am growing grace to grace. I haven't always, I've changed positions on things for sure, but it's because I'm just seeking God. I'm seeking to know his word. I don't know, I don't want to know about denominationalism. I, I don't want to keep looking at the Bible through a filter that's been given to me by my denomination, by those who I was raised with. I, I want to know what the Bible says. And that is what has led me to the belief that, you know, some people call it hyperdispensationalism, and that's fine. It's meant to be a derogatory term, but I don't mind. Um, or as I refer to it, as we refer to it, just it's right dividing. Or some would call it a mid-Acts position. In other words, the church was not born in Acts chapter number 2, because Acts number two, chapter number two, was not a Gentile thing. There were no Gentiles present except for proselytes. And even when the when they did go out preaching, they went to none but the house of Israel. It wasn't until Paul came along that he began preaching this gospel of grace to the to the Gentiles, Jew and Gentile. And today, you and I live in the postponement or what we call this age of grace, the age of the church. Um, In other words, we shouldn't have happened. Did God know it would happen? Did God in his providence know it would happen? Of course he knew it would happen. But it is hid in Christ. It was hid in Christ. In other words, the body of Christ was not known in the Old Testament. You know, the Apostle Paul said it was hid, and it was revealed only to him, not to the twelve, to him, not to David in the book of uh, the Song of Solomon. (laughs) You know, it wasn't revealed in the Old Testament. It was hid in Christ, and it was revealed to the Apostle Paul. And what was that? The, The mystery that was hid. When what was the mystery? That... There would be one body, one new creation made up of Jew and Gentile that would come to salvation by simple belief, not by adherence to the Mosaic law, but simply by belief. And when I came to that understanding, it changed the filter in how I view um, the Scriptures. So it has made me go back and question. I've taught through the book of Ephesians. I've taught th- I've taught through the entire Bible in my in, in my years of pastoring and my years of teaching Bible in the classroom. Um, but now that I'm my filter has been adjusted, it's caused me to have to go back. So I begin to look at it with fresh eyes. I know that the Pauline epistles were written by the Apostle Paul the apostle to the Gentiles, to the body of Christ. There is a difference between what was written to you and what was written for you. Okay? All of the Bible is written for us. 
I can teach the Old Testament just as authoritatively as I did 10 years ago, but with the understanding that it was not written to me. It was written to the nation of Israel. It was written to the Jew. And anything that happened among the Gentiles was just incidental. I can read, I can preach Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I can preach Acts 1 through 8. I can preach Hebrews through Revelation, knowing that all of that scripture was written for me, but it was not written to me. It was written to the nation of Israel. So, and I can read the Pauline epistles and know that Paul's writings are to me. They are to me. They are to the body of Christ. They are to the new creation. So, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I guess I can be called what was historically known as a Paulician, which was an early group, which was, of course, destroyed, um, because they followed the writings of Paul. Um, Now, if you say that makes me a heretic, you know, say what you must, but it doesn't, because it is rightly dividing the word of truth is rightly dividing what is for me and what is to me. The Pauline epistles is to me. It is to the body of Christ. So, when I first went through the book of Ephesians, I I guess you could say I overcorrected. <laughs> because, you know, I've been going back and forth. The word saints, for example, Um. Some would say the word saints is only for the Jew. They are the saints. They are the holy ones. Um, But that word holy ones can also be referring to angelic hosts. And I believe now it can be referring to you and me. I mean, we're holy. You know, we've been imputed righteous. Um, So I think the word, I mean... Every word needs to be read in its context, okay? It's just like the word predestination. We'll get into this, you know, but when people read predestination, uh, they immediately assume that the word means that God has predetermined some for hell and some for heaven. That's not what the word means in the context, the word in the context means that we as believers have pre, have been predestined for something. We as believers have been predestined for glorification, for adoption as joint heirs with Christ. We've been predestined to that. So it's not a question of salvation. It's a question of destination. It's a, it's a question of, of a future event that's going to happen. So you have to read the words on the page in the context or you're going to start twisting stuff. So the word saints is one of those words that I began to struggle with. Is it only referring to Jews? I would say no, because Paul used the term quite a bit referring to grace believers. 
And understand, I separate kingdom believers from grace believers. Kingdom believers were Jews who accepted the preaching of the twelve. They accepted the preaching of the kingdom, which required repentance, baptism, adherence to the law. Grace gospel was preached by Paul, which is just simply belief in the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And of course, today in the church, we see a, you need to study, read my book, my watch my videos, audios on the book of Galatians. That's where we are, I believe, in the church today. We have combined the kingdom gospel and the grace gospel into one gospel that I believe Paul says is no gospel at all because the kingdom gospel is of works. The grace gospel requires no works. So we're taking grace and law, sticking it together, and we're coming up with nothing. And that's what Paul was talking to the Galatians about. So when I first went through Ephesians, I say all that to get back to this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints, which are at Ephesus, I, 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 I was taking that saints there referring to Jews, but not kingdom Jews, but grace Jews, um, Jews who had accepted the preaching of Paul, the grace gospel, and to the faithful in Christ as referring to Gentiles. So Paul was writing this letter to believing Jews and believing Gentiles. Grace be to you and peace from our God and our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, and I, and I feel the need to explain this if you've been following me, because I can eat crow. I mean, I can dress it up. I can make it taste pretty good. You know, I've gotten good at it with a little salt and seasoning. But when he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessing, I was continuing to think, well, the our and the us and the we is referring to the saints, the Jews. And if you look, I mean, if you follow verses 1 all the way down through verse number 12, it says that we, in verse number 12, should be the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. So you can say, yeah, it was the Jews, you know, who first trusted in Christ. Um, and then he turns a corner in verse 13, in whom ye also trusted. After that, ye heard the word of truth. So my rationale the first time through was the saints was the us, we, our, and then the ye and you <laughs> was the Gentiles. But I have since um, changed my mind on that, um, and I will tell you why um, as we get through the study. For now, I just want to start all over again. I just want to introduce the book and see how far we get today. Uh, I've already spent uh, 23 minutes uh, trying to explain that, but again, I know that I have listeners who are going to you know, hear this for a second time. I mean, trust me, there's not multitudes of them, but some of you have been following my my uh, 
my coming along on the journey with me, as as I would say. So, Paul wrote to Gentiles. Period. Uh, if you run down that pronoun path, uh, I think you're going to get into trouble. And I've witnessed other brothers get into trouble with that. Uh, and I'll explain that when I get down into those verses. For now, let's just introduce the book, and that'll be probably as far as I'll get today. And then next week, or next time I record, I'm going to start talking about verse number one, and we're going to go that again, and I'm going to show you why I think that is a very faulty way to go. Uh, so for introduction, uh, 2 Timothy was Paul's last personal epistle. And Ephesians was his last doctrinal epistle. And it seems that both of them were written at the same time. Um, and they were delivered by the same person. So there's some scripture for that. So both 2 Timothy, his last personal epistle, which was written to Timothy, and Ephesians is a doctrinal epistle written to a church, a group of believers in Ephesus. Uh, and again, it looks like they were written at the same time and delivered by the same person. So if you got your Bible, second, uh, 1 Timothy 1.3, notice what Paul told Timothy. As I besought thee, Timothy, to still abide at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So 1 Timothy 1.3 makes it very clear that Paul told Timothy to stay at Ephesus while he went on into Macedonia. And what Timothy was expected to do was to charge them that they not teach other doctrine. All right. Then also in Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 21, it says, But that ye also may know my affairs and how I do, Teachicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that ye might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. So, Timothy was in, Ephesians, was in Ephesus, and Paul sent this letter to him by the hands of Tychicus. Okay? Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 12, it says, And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. So, it makes it pretty clear that Paul wrote 2 Timothy and Ephesians at the same time and sent them by the hands of Tychicus uh, to Ephesus, because that's where Timothy was. So Timothy got two letters at the same time. Now, another possible proof of this is that Paul gives his salutations at the end of 2 Timothy, but not at the end of Ephesians. Why would he do that? Well, why would he be repetitive? If the two letters were going to the same place, why would he attach salutations at the end of both of the letters? He just attached it to one. Um, in 2 Timothy 4.19, he says, 
Salute Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left in Miletum sick. Okay, but when you look at the end of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21, but that ye may also know my affairs, how I do, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things whom I have sent peace to the brethren love. See, he doesn't, he doesn't call anybody out. He doesn't send salutations at the end of Ephesians, but he does send salutations at the end of 2 Timothy. So it's um, just another proof that Paul wrote 2 Timothy, his last personal epistle, and Ephesians, his last doctrinal epistle, at the same time, and he, they were delivered by the hand of Tychicus. Uh, notice also in 2 Timothy 4.19, salute Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Now, where was Onesiphorus? I mean, he's greeting him, again, where he gives these salutations at the end of 2 Timothy. Where was Onesiphorus? Well, 2 Timothy Chapter 1 and verse number 16 tells us, The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when I was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently, and he, he found me. And the Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day, and in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. So another proof that Onesiphorus was already in Ephesus. Um, also, just another proof, again, uh, in Acts, it tells us that Aquila and Priscilla were also at Ephesus. Because he says there at the end of 2 Timothy, uh, let's see, um, where is it where he said to greet? Right there in 2 Timothy 4.19, salute Prisca and Aquila. So where were Prisca and Priscilla? Well, according to Acts chapter number 18, Verse 24 and verses 24 through 26. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born of Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in the Lord, and he spake and he taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began in verse 26 to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, heard, they took him unto them and expounded him the way of God more perfectly. So where was Apollos? He was in Ephesus. Where was Aquila and Priscilla? They were in Ephesus. So the bottom line is that there is a lot of evidence that Ephesians and 2 Timothy were written at the same time and delivered by Tychicus. So that means that Paul wrote these books while he was awaiting execution in 
Rome, if that be the case. So that means that these books, 2 Timothy and Ephesians, were written by Paul from Rome while he was awaiting execution. Um, In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 1, it says, For this cause I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. So Paul was a prisoner in Rome at the time that he wrote this. Therefore, the letter had to be delivered by someone else. In Ephesians 4.1, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy. So where was Paul? He was in prison. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 and 8, it says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Paul wrote Ephesians and 2 Timothy from Rome at the same time, and they were delivered by the hands of Tychicus. So next time we get together, we'll dive into verse number one, and I'll show you a little bit of the pronoun issue, which I've already done that quite a bit. I'll I'll touch bases on it again. But anyway, I hope you enjoy this new journey. Um, I'm also going to focus more on audio than video. And the reason why is I simply get more traction on audio than I do video. I can't explain that, but I think it's just people. I don't know. If you want to listen to a podcast, you listen to a podcast. If you want to, you know, watch a a video, you, you'll go to YouTube, you know, but just, I get far greater traction. Matter of fact, I'm just kind of pulling up something here real quick. Um, yeah, when I go to, uh, my SoundCloud, which is where I normally uh, deposit uh, all of my audio files, the listenership is much higher. Uh, it's in the hundreds as compared to the videos, which is, you know, if if it's up there a while, it might reach double digits. So uh, I'm just going to, you know, and I, I travel a lot and setting all of that lighting all that stuff up is just quite painful. So I'm just going to focus on audio. I hope you appreciate that. And I uh, love you guys. And uh, remember, God loves you, wants the best for you, and he's working all things out for our good.